Section eleven of Our Mutual Friend by Charles Dickens. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Section eleven of Our Mutual Friend by Charles Dickens. Book the First, Chapter eleven pod snappery mr podsnap was well to do and stood very high in mr podsnap's opinion beginning with a good inheritance he had married a good inheritance and had thriven exceedingly in the marine insurance way and was quite satisfied he never could make out why everybody was not quite satisfied, and he felt conscious that he set a brilliant social example in being particularly well satisfied with most things, and, above all other things, with himself. Thus happily acquainted with his own merit and importance, Mr. Podsnap settled that whatever he put behind him he put out of existence. There was a dignified conclusiveness not to add a grand convenience in this way of getting rid of disagreeables which had done much towards establishing mr podsnap in his lofty place in mr podsnap's satisfaction i don't want to know about it i don't choose to discuss it i don't admit it mr podsnap had even acquired a peculiar flourish of his right arm in often clearing the world of its most difficult problems by sweeping them behind him and consequently sheer away with those words and a flushed face, for they affronted him. Mr. Podsnap's world was not a very large world morally, no, nor even geographically, seeing that although his business was stained upon commerce with other countries, he considered other countries, with that important reservation, a mistake, and of their manners and customs would conclusively observe, not English, when, presto, with a flourish of the arm and a flush of the face, they were swept away. Elsewhere, the world got up at eight, shaved close at a quarter past, breakfasted at nine, went to the city at ten, came home at half-past five, and dined at seven. Mr. Podsnap's notions of the arts in their integrity might have been stated thus. Literature, large print, respectfully descriptive of getting up at eight, shaving close at a quarter past, breakfasting at nine, going to the city at ten, coming home at half-past five, and dining at seven, painting and sculpture, models and portraits representing professors of getting up at eight, shaving close at a quarter past, breakfasting at nine, going to the city at ten, coming home at a half-past five, and dining at seven, music, a respectable performance, without variations, on stringed and wind instruments, sedately expressive of getting up at eight, shaving close at a quarter past, breakfasting at nine, going to the city at ten, coming home at half-past five, and dining at seven. Nothing else to be permitted to those same vagrants, the arts, on pain of excommunication. Nothing else to be anywhere." As a so eminently respectable man, Mr. Podsnap was sensible of its being required of him to take providence under his protection. Consequently, he always knew exactly what providence meant. Inferior and less respectable men might fall short of that mark, but Mr. Podsnap was always up to it. 
and it was always very remarkable and must have been very comfortable that what providence meant was invariably what mr podsnap meant these may be said to have been the articles of a faith and school which the present chapter takes the liberty of calling after its representative man podsnappery they were confined within close bounds as mr podsnap's own head was confined by his shirt-collar and they were enunciated with a sounding pomp that smacked of the creaking of Mr. Podsnap's own boots. There was a Miss Podsnap, and this young rocking-horse was being trained in her mother's art of prancing in a stately manner without ever getting on. But the high parental action was not yet imparted to her, and in truth she was but an undersized damsel with high shoulders, low spirits, chilled elbows, and a rasped surface of nose who seemed to take occasional frosty peeps out of childhood into womanhood and to shrink back again overcome by her mother's headdress and her father from head to foot crushed by the mere dead weight of podsnappery a certain institution in mr podsnap's mind which he called the young person may be considered to have been embodied in miss podsnap his daughter it was an inconvenient and exacting institution as requiring everything in the universe to be filed down and fitted to it the question about everything was would it bring a blush into the cheek of the young person and the inconvenience of the young person was that according to mr podsnap she seemed always liable to burst into blushes when there was no need at all there appeared to be no line of demarcation between the young person's excessive innocence and another person's guiltiest knowledge take mr podsnap's word for it and the soberest tints of drab white lilac and grey were all flaming red to this troublesome bull of a young person the podsnaps lived in a shady angle adjoining portman square they were a kind of people certain to dwell in the shade wherever they dwelt Miss Podsnap's life had been, from her first appearance on this planet, altogether of a shady order, for Mr. Podsnap's young person was likely to get little good out of association with other young persons, and had therefore been restricted to companionship with not very congenial older persons, and with massive furniture. Miss Podsnap's early views of life, being principally derived from the reflections of it in her father's boots, and in the walnut and rosewood tables of the dim drawing-rooms and in their swarthy giants of looking-glasses were of a sombre cast and it was not wonderful that now when she was on most days solemnly tooled through the park by the side of her mother in a great tall custard-coloured phaeton she showed above the apron of that vehicle like a dejected young person sitting up in bed to take a startled look at things in general and very strongly desiring to get her head under the counterpane again said mr podsnap to mrs podsnap georgiana is almost eighteen said mrs podsnap to mr podsnap assenting almost eighteen said mr podsnap then to mrs podsnap really i think we should have some people on georgiana's birthday said mrs podsnap then to mr podsnap which will enable us to clear off all those people who are due 
so it came to pass that mr and mrs podsnap requested the honour of the company of seventeen friends of their souls at dinner and that they substituted other friends of their souls for such of the seventeen original friends of their souls as deeply regretted that a prior engagement prevented their having the honour of dining with mr and mrs podsnap in pursuance of their kind invitation and that mrs podsnap said of all these inconsolable personages as she checked them off with a pencil on her list asked at any rate and got rid of and that they successfully disposed of a good many friends of their souls in this way and felt their consciences much lightened there were still other friends of their souls who were not entitled to be asked to dinner but had a claim to be invited to come and take a haunch of mutton vapour bath at half-past nine for the clearing off of these worthies mrs podsnap added a small and early evening to the dinner and looked in at the music-shop to bespeak a well-conducted automaton to come and play quadrilles for a carpet-dance mr and mrs veneering and mr and mrs veneering's brand-new bride and bridegroom were of the dinner company but the podsnap establishment had nothing else in common with the veneerings mr podsnap could tolerate taste in a mushroom man who stood in need of that sort of thing but was far above it himself hideous solidity was the characteristic of the podsnap plate everything was made to look as heavy as it could and to take up as much room as possible everything said boastfully here you have as much of me in my ugliness as if i were only lead but i am so many ounces of precious metal worth so much an ounce wouldn't you like to melt me down a corpulent straddling eparn blotched all over as if it had broken out in an eruption rather than been ornamented delivered this address from an unsightly silver platform in the centre of the table four silver wine coolers each furnished with four staring heads each head obtrusively carrying a big silver ring in each of its ears conveyed the sentiment up and down the table and handed it to the pot-bellied silver salt sellers all the big silver spoons and forks widened the mouths of the company expressly for the purpose of thrusting the sentiment down their throats with every morsel they ate the majority of the guests were like the plate and included several heavy articles weighing ever so much but there was a foreign gentleman among them whom mr podsnap had invited after much debate with himself believing the whole european continent to be in mortal alliance against the young person and there was a droll disposition not only on the part of mr podsnap but of everybody else to treat him as if he were a child who was hard of hearing as a delicate concession to this unfortunately born foreigner mr podsnap in receiving him had presented his wife as madame podsnap and also his daughter as mamselle podsnap with some inclination to add ma fille to which bold venture however he checked himself the veneerings being at that time the only other arrivals he had added in a condescendingly explanatory manner monsieur veneering and then subsided into english how do you like london mr podsnap now inquired from his station of host as if he were administering something in the nature of a powder or potion to the deaf child london londres london the foreign gentleman admired it you find it very large said mr podsnap spaciously the foreign gentleman found it very large and very rich 
the foreign gentleman found it without doubt enormant riche enormously rich we say returned mr podsnap in a condescending manner our english adverbs do not terminate in mont and we pronounce the ch as if there were a t before it we say rich reach remarked the foreign gentleman and do you find sir pursued mr podsnap with dignity many evidences that strike you of our british constitution in the streets of the world's metropolis london londres london the foreign gentleman begged to be pardoned but did not altogether understand the constitution britannique mr podsnap explained as if he were teaching in an infant school we say british but you say britannique you know forgivingly as if that were not his fault the constitution sir the foreign gentleman said may yes i know im a young sallowish gentleman in spectacles with a lumpy forehead seated in a supplementary chair at a corner of the table here caused a profound sensation by saying in a raised voice esquire and then stopping dead may we said the foreign gentleman turning towards him it's a que but the gentleman with the lumpy forehead having for the time delivered himself of all that he found behind his lump spake for the time no more i was inquiring said mr podsnap resuming the thread of his discourse whether you have observed in our streets as we should say upon your pavi as you should say any tokens the foreign gentleman with patient courtesy entreated pardon but what was tokens marks said mr podsnap signs you know appearances traces ah of a horse inquired the foreign gentleman we call it horse said mr podsnap with forbearance in england angleterre england we aspirate the h we say horse only our lower classes say horse pardon said the foreign gentleman i am always wrong our language said mr podsnap with a gracious consciousness of being always right is difficult ours is a copious language and trying to strangers i will not pursue my question but the lumpy gentleman unwilling to give it up again madly said esquire and again spake no more it merely referred mr podsnap explained with a sense of meritorious proprietorship to our constitution sir we englishmen are very proud of our constitution sir it was bestowed upon us by providence no other country is so favored as this country and other countries the foreign gentleman was beginning when mr podsnap put him right again we do not say other we say other the letters are t and h you say t and h you know still with clemency the sound is th the and other countries said the foreign gentleman they do how they do sir returned mr podsnap gravely shaking his head they do i am sorry to be obliged to say it as they do it was a little particular of providence said the foreign gentleman laughing for the frontier is not large undoubtedly assented mr podsnap but so it is it was the charter of the land this island was blessed sir to the direct exclusion of such other countries as as there may happen to be and if we were all englishmen present i would say added mr podsnap looking round upon his compatriots and sounding solemnly within his theme 
that there is in the englishman a combination of qualities a modesty an independence a responsibility a repose combined with an absence of everything calculated to call a blush into the cheek of a young person which one would seek in vain among the nations of the earth having delivered this little summary mr podsnap's face flushed as he thought of the remote possibility of its being at all qualified by any prejudiced citizen of any other country and with his favourite right arm flourish he put the rest of europe and the whole of asia africa and america nowhere the audience were much edified by this passage of words and mr podsnap feeling that he was in rather remarkable force to-day became smiling and conversational has anything more been heard veneering he required of the lucky legatee nothing more returned veneering than that he has come into possession of the property i am told people now call him the golden dustman i mentioned to you some time ago i think that the young lady whose intended husband was murdered is daughter to a clerk of mine yes you told me that said podsnap and by the by i wish you would tell it again here for it's a curious coincidence curious that the first news of the discovery should have been brought straight to your table when i was there and curious that one of your people should have been so nearly interested in it just relate that will you veneering was more than ready to do it for he had prospered exceedingly upon the harmon murder and had turned the social distinction of it conferred upon him to the account of making several dozen of brand-new bosom friends indeed such another lucky hit would almost have set him up in that way to his satisfaction so addressing himself to the most desirable of his neighbours while mrs veneering secured the next most desirable he plunged into the case and emerged from it twenty minutes afterward with a bank director in his arms in the meantime mrs veneering had dived into the same waters for a wealthy shipbroker and had brought him up safe and sound by the hair then mrs veneering had to relate to a larger circle how she had been to see the girl and how she was really pretty and considering her station presentable and this she did with such a successful display of her eight aquiline fingers and her encircling jewels that she happily laid hold of a drifting general officer his wife and daughter and not only restored their animation which had become suspended but made them lively friends within an hour although mr podsnap would in a general way have highly disapproved of bodies in rivers as ineligible topics with reference to the cheek of the young person he had as one may say a share in this affair which made him a part proprietor as its returns were immediate too in the way of restraining the company from speechless contemplation of the wine coolers it paid and he was satisfied and now the haunch of mutton vapour bath having received a gamey infusion and a few last touches of sweets and coffee was quite ready and the bathers came but not before the discreet automaton had got behind the bars of the piano music desk and there presented the appearance of a captive languishing in a rosewood jail and who now so pleasant or so well assorted as mr and mrs alfred lamley he all sparkles she all gracious contentment both at occasional intervals exchanging looks like partners at cards who played a game against all england there was not much youth among the bathers but there was no youth the young person always accepted in the articles of podsnappery bald bathers folded their arms and talked to mr podsnap on the hearthrug sleek whiskered bathers with hats in their hands lunged at mrs podsnap and retreated 
prowling bathers went about looking into ornamental boxes and bowls as if they had suspicions of larceny on the part of the podsnaps and expected to find something they had lost at the bottom bathers of the gentler sex sat silently comparing ivory shoulders all this time and always poor little miss podsnap whose tiny efforts if she had made any were swallowed up in the magnificence of her mother's rocking kept herself as much out of sight and mind as she could and appeared to be counting on many dismal returns of the day it was somehow understood as a secret article in the state proprieties of podsnappery that nothing must be said about the day consequently this young damsel's nativity was hushed up and looked over as if it were agreed on all hands that it would have been better that she had never been born the lamleys were so fond of the dear veneerings that they could not for some time detach themselves from those excellent friends but at length either a very open smile on mr lamley's part or a very secret elevation of one of his gingerous eyebrows certainly the one or the other seemed to say to mrs lamley why don't you play and so looking about her she saw miss podsnap and seeming to say responsibly that card and to be answered yes went and sat beside miss podsnap mrs lamley was overjoyed to escape into a corner for a quiet little talk it promised to be a very quiet talk for miss podsnap replied in a flutter oh indeed it's very kind of you but i am afraid i don't talk let us make a beginning said the insinuating mrs lamley with her best smile oh i am afraid you'll find me very dull but ma talks that was plainly to be seen for ma was talking then at her usual centre with arched head and mane open eyes and nostrils fond of reading perhaps yes at least i don't mind that so much returned miss podsnap mm, music so insinuating was mrs lamley that she got half a dozen m's into the word before she got it out i haven't nerve to play even if i could ma plays at exactly the same canter and with a certain flourishing appearance of doing something ma did in fact occasionally take a rock upon the instrument of course you like dancing oh no i don't said miss podsnap no with your youth and attractions truly my dear you surprise me i can't say observed miss podsnap after hesitating considerably and stealing several timid looks at mrs lamley's carefully arranged face how i might have liked it if i had been a you won't mention it will you my dear never no i am sure you won't i can't say then how i should have liked it if i had been a chimney-sweep on may-day gracious was the exclamation which amazement elicited from mrs lamley there i knew you'd wonder but you won't mention it will you upon my word my love said mrs lamley you make me ten times more desirous now i talk to you to know you well than i was when i sat over yonder looking at you how i wish we could be real friends try me as a real friend come don't fancy me a frumpy old married woman my dear i was married but the other day you know i am dressed as a bride now you see about the chimney sweeps hush Mall here she can't hear from where she sits don't you be too sure of that said miss podsnap in a lower voice well what i mean is that they seem to enjoy it and that perhaps you would have enjoyed it if you had been one of them 
Miss Podsnap nodded significantly. Then you don't enjoy it now? How is it possible, said Miss Podsnap? Oh, it is such a dreadful thing. If I was wicked enough and strong enough to kill anybody, it should be my partner. This was such an entirely new view of the Terpsichorean art as socially practiced that Mrs. Lamley looked at her young friend in some astonishment. Her young friend sat nervously twiddling her fingers in a pinioned attitude, as if she were trying to hide her elbows, but this latter utopian object in short sleeves always appeared to be the great inoffensive aim of her existence. "'It sounds horrid, don't it?' said Miss Podsnap, with a penitential face. Mrs. Lamley, not very well knowing what to answer, resolved herself into a look of smiling encouragement. "'But it is, and it always has been,' pursued Miss Podsnap, "'such a trial to me. I so dread being awful, and it is so awful. No one knows what I suffered at Madame Satuse's, where I learned to dance and make presentation curtsies and other dreadful things, or at least where they tried to teach me. Ma can do it.' "'At any rate, my love,' said Mrs. Lamley soothingly, "'that's over.' "'Yes, it's over,' returned Miss Podsnap. "'But there's nothing gained by that. "'It's worse here than at Madame Satuse's. "'Ma was there, and Ma's here, "'but Pa wasn't there, and Company wasn't there, "'and there were not real partners there. "'Oh, there's Ma speaking to the man at the piano. "'Oh, there's Ma going up to somebody. "'Oh, I know she's going to bring him to me. "'Oh, please don't, please don't please don't oh keep away keep away keep away these pious ejaculations miss podsnap uttered with her eyes closed and her head leaning back against the wall but the ogre advanced under the pilotage of ma and ma said georgiana mr grompus and the ogre clutched his victim and bore her off to his castle in the top couple then the discreet automaton who had surveyed his ground played a blossomless, tuneless set, and sixteen disciples of podsnappery went through the figures of one, getting up at eight and shaving close at quarter past, two, breakfasting at nine, three, going to the city at ten, four, coming home at half-past five, five, dining at seven, and the grand chain. While these solemnities were in process, Mr. Alfred Lamley, most loving of husbands, approached the chair of Mrs. Alfred Lamley, most loving of wives, and bending over the back of it, trifled for some few seconds with Mrs. Lamley's bracelet. Slightly in contrast with his brief airy toying, one might have noticed a certain dark attention in Mrs. Lamley's face as she said some words with her eyes on Mr. Lamley's waistcoat, and seemed in return to receive some lesson, but it was all done as a breath passes from a mirror and now the grand chain riveted to the last link the discreet automaton ceased and the sixteen two and two took a walk among the furniture and herein the unconsciousness of the ogre grompus was pleasantly conspicuous for that complacent monster believing that he was giving miss podsnap a treat prolonged the utmost stretch of possibility a peripatetic account of an archery meeting while his victim, heading the procession of sixteen as it slowly circled about like a revolving funeral, never raised her eyes except once to steal a glance at Mrs. Lamley, expressive of intense despair. At length the procession was dissolved by the violent arrival of a nutmeg, 
before which the drawing-room door bounced open as if it were a cannonball and while that fragrant article dispersed through several glasses of coloured warm water was going the round of society miss podsnap returned to her seat by her new friend oh my goodness said miss podsnap that's over i hope you didn't look at me my dear why not oh i know all about myself said miss podsnap i'll tell you something i know about you my dear returned miss lamley in her winning way and that is you are most unnecessarily shy ma ain't said miss podsnap i detest you go along this shot was levelled under her breath at the gallant grampus for bestowing an insinuating smile upon her in passing pardon me if i scarcely see my dear miss podsnap miss lamley was beginning when the young lady interposed if we are going to be real friends and i suppose we are for you are the only person who ever proposed it don't let us be awful it's awful enough to be miss podsnap without being called so call me georgiana dearest georgiana mrs lamley began again thank you said miss podsnap dearest georgiana pardon me if i scarcely see my love why your mamma's not being shy is a reason you should be don't you really see that asked miss podsnap plucking at her fingers in a troubled manner and furtively casting her eyes now on mrs lamley now on the ground then perhaps it isn't my dearest georgiana you defer much too readily to my poor opinion indeed it is not even an opinion darling for it is only a confession of my dullness oh you are not dull returned miss podsnap i am dull but you couldn't have made me talk if you were some little touch of conscience answering this perception of her having gained a purpose called bloom enough into mrs lamley's face to make it look brighter as she sat smiling her best smile on her dear georgiana and shaking her head with an affectionate playfulness not that it meant anything but that georgiana seemed to like it what i mean is pursued georgiana that ma being so endowed with awfulness and pa being so endowed with awfulness and there being so much awfulness everywhere i mean at least everywhere where i am perhaps it makes me who am so deficient in awfulness and frightened at it i say it very badly i don't know whether you can understand what i mean perfectly dearest georgiana mrs lamley was proceeding with every reassuring while when the head of that young lady suddenly went back against the wall again and her eyes closed oh there's ma being awful with somebody with a glass in his eye oh i know she's going to bring him here oh don't bring him don't bring him oh he'll be my partner with his glass in his eye oh what shall i do this time georgiana accompanied her ejaculations with taps of her feet upon the floor and was altogether in quite a desperate condition but there was no escape from the majestic mrs podsnap's production of an ambling stranger with one eye screwed up into extinction and the other framed and glazed who having looked down out of that organ as if he described miss podsnap at the bottom of some perpendicular shaft brought her to the surface and ambled off with her and then the captive at the piano played another set expressive of his mournful aspirations after freedom and other sixteen went through the former melancholy motions and the ambler took miss podsnap for a furniture walk as if he had struck out an entirely original conception in the meantime a stray personage of a meek demeanour who had wandered to the hearthrug and got among the heads of tribes assembled there in conference with mr podsnap eliminated mr podsnap's flush and flourish by a highly unpolite remark 
no less than a reference to the circumstance that some half-dozen people had lately died in the streets of starvation. It was clearly ill-timed after dinner. It was not adapted to the cheek of the young person. It was not in good taste. "'I don't believe it,' said Mr. Podsnap, putting it behind him. The meek man was afraid we must take it as proved, because there were the inquests and the registrar's returns. "'Then it was their own fault,' said Mr. Podsnap. Veneering and other elders of tribes commended this way out of it. At once a short cut and a broad road. The man of meek demeanor intimated that truly it would seem from the facts as if starvation had been forced upon the culprits in question, as if in their wretched manner they had made their weak protests against it, as if they would have taken the liberty of staving it off if they could, as if they would rather not have been starved upon the whole, if perfectly agreeable to all parties." there is not said mr podsnap flushing angrily there is not a country in the world sir where so noble a provision is made for the poor as in this country the meek man was quite willing to concede that perhaps it rendered the matter even worse as showing that there must be something appallingly wrong somewhere where said mr podsnap the meek man hinted wouldn't it be well to try very seriously to find out where ah said mr podsnap easy to say somewhere not so easy to say where but i see that you are driving at it i knew it from the first centralization no never with my consent not english an approving murmur rose from the heads of tribes as saying there you have him hold him he was not aware the meek man submitted of himself that he was driving at any ization he had no favorite ization that he knew of but he certainly was more staggered by these terrible occurrences than he was by names of howsoever many syllables. Might he ask, was dying of destitution and neglect necessarily English? "'You know what the population of London is, I suppose,' said Mr. Podsnap. The meek man supposed he did, but supposed that had absolutely nothing to do with it, if its laws were well administered." and you know at least i hope you know said mr podsnap with severity that providence has declared that you shall have the poor always with you the meek man also hoped he knew that i am glad to hear it said mr podsnap with a portentous air i am glad to hear it it will render you cautious how you fly in the face of providence in reference to that absurd and irreverent conventional phrase the meek man said for which Mr. Podsnap was not responsible. He, the meek man, had no fear of doing anything so impossible, but... But Mr. Podsnap felt that the time had come for flushing and flourishing this meek man down for good, so he said, I must decline to pursue this painful discussion. It is not pleasant to my feelings. It is repugnant to my feelings. I have said that I do not admit these things. I have also said that if they do occur, not that I admit it, the fault lies with the sufferers themselves. It is not for me, Mr. Podsnap pointed me forcibly, as adding by implication, though it may be all very well for you, it is not for me to impugn the workings of providence. I know better than that. I trust and I have mentioned what the intentions of providence are. Besides, said Mr. Podsnap, flushing high up among his hairbrushes with a strong consciousness of personal affront, the subject is a very disagreeable one. I will go so far as to say it is an odious one. It is not one to be introduced among our wives and young persons. And I, he finished with that flourish of his arms which added more expressively than any words, and I remove it from the face of the earth. 
simultaneously with this quenching of the meek man's ineffectual fire georgiana having left the ambler up a lane of sofa in a no thoroughfare of back drawing-room to find his own way out came back to mrs lamley and who should be with mrs lamley but mr lamley so fond of her alfred my love here is my friend georgiana dearest girl you must like my husband next to me mr lamley was proud to be so soon distinguished by this special commendation to miss podsnap's favour but if mr lamley were prone to be jealous of his dear sophronia's friendships he would be jealous of her feelings towards miss podsnap say georgiana darling interposed his wife towards shall i georgiana mr lamley uttered the name with a delicate curve of his right hand from his lips outward for never have i known sophronia who is not apt to take sudden likings so attracted and so captivated as she is by shall i once more georgiana the object of this homage sat uneasily enough in receipt of it and then said turning to mrs lamley much embarrassed i wonder what you like me for i am sure i can't think dearest georgiana for yourself for your difference from all around you well that may be for i think i like you for your difference from all around me said georgiana with a smile of relief we must be going with the rest observed mrs lamley rising with a show of unwillingness amidst a general dispersal we are real friends georgiana dear real good-night dear girl she had established an attraction over the shrinking nature upon which her smiling eyes were fixed for georgiana held her hand while she answered in a secret and half-frightened tone don't forget me when you are gone away and come again soon good-night charming to see mr and mrs lamley taking leave so gracefully and going down the stairs so lovingly and sweetly not quite so charming to see their smiling faces fall and brood as they dropped moodily into separate corners of their little carriage but to be sure that was a sight behind the scenes which nobody saw and which nobody was meant to see certain big heavy vehicles built on the model of the podsnap plate took away the heavy articles of guests weighing ever so much and the less valuable articles got away after their various manners and the podsnap plate was put to bed as mr podsnap stood with his back to the drawing-room fire pulling up his shirt-collar like a veritable cock of the walk literally pluming himself in the midst of his possessions nothing would have astonished him more than an intimation that miss podsnap or any other young person properly born and bred could not be exactly put away like the plate brought out like the plate polished like the plate counted weighed and valued like the plate that such a young person could possibly have a morbid vacancy in the heart for anything younger than the plate or less monotonous than the plate or that such a young person's thoughts could try to scale the region bounded on the north south east and west by the plate was a monstrous imagination which he would on the spot have flourished into space this perhaps in some sort arose from mr podsnap's blushing young person being so to speak all cheek whereas there is a possibility that there may be young persons of a rather more complex organization if mr podsnap pulling up his shirt-collar could only have heard himself called that fellow in a certain short dialogue which passed between mr and mrs lamley in their opposite corners of their little carriage rolling home sophronia are you awake am i likely to be asleep sir very likely i should think after that fellow's company attend to what i am going to say 
i have attended to what you have already said have i not what else have i been doing all night attend i tell you in a raised voice to what i am going to say keep close to that idiot girl keep her under your thumb you have her fast and you are not to let her go do you hear i hear you i foresee there is money to be made out of this besides taking that fellow down a peg we owe each other money you know mrs lamley winced a little at the reminder but only enough to shake her sense and essences anew into the atmosphere of the little carriage as she settled herself afresh in her own dark corner End of section eleven of our mutual friend by charles dickens read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california shaggybark.blogspot.com